0: The Squeeze is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. is the first in a four-part series in the lead-up to the US election on November 3. We're going to start, though, outside of the presidential race itself and have a look at the other important races that are being run on the same day, and that's the US Senate and the House of Representatives. So strap yourself in for round one as we take a look at the implications that these elections have for governing in the US and what's happening in those races in the lead-up to November 3. Squeeze Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, the first Tuesday in November isn't just the day of the presidential election. It's also an important day for setting the pieces on the chessboard that is the US Congress. This time around, all of the US House of Representatives is up for election and about a third of the Senate. Somehow it feels like we only went through all this just recently.
1: That's because the House of Representatives members go up for election every two years, both at the time of a presidential election, but also at the halfway mark of that presidential term, which is why they're Called midterm elections.
0: Gotcha. So presidential terms are four years, midterms every two years. I'm with you. To the Senate, and the length of the terms are a bit more generous. They have six year terms. What's the thinking behind having such short terms for the House of Reps and relatively long terms for senators? goes back
1: to the founding of the US Constitution and it was thought that representatives should be ultra sensitive to his or her constituents latest policy preferences whereas the longer terms of senators allowed them to be a bit more distant and to make decisions without thinking of re-election coming around the corner and it's just part of that check and balance that's part of the US system of government.
0: Also part of those checks and balances is the relationship between the legislative branch, that's the Congress or what we call the Parliament, so that's the House of Reps and the Senate, and the executive. The executive, Claire, is the office of the President.
1: And the idea is that the legislative and executive branches are equal under the constitution, but in practice, it really depends on the times and the personalities involved as to how that works. For example, during times of war or during emergencies, like a global pandemic, perhaps, the executive can see power tilt towards it. But in times of peace and growth, the Congress has a lot more of a run at setting that agenda.
0: And Claire, it's not unusual for politics to get in the way if those in control of the Congress are of a different political persuasion to the person who's in the White House, to the President.
1: That's exactly right. And a good example of that is the Democrats have control of the House of Representatives under Speaker Nancy Pelosi, while the White House is occupied by the Republicans, Donald Trump. And they clash quite a bit.
0: Hers is a name we hear quite a lot. We're going to get into that in a bit more detail in the third segment. But for now, let's have a closer look at the US Senate. There are 100 senators in total, two per state, 35 seats up for grabs this election. Claire, the Senate is considered by many to be more a prestigious body because the Constitution gives it unique powers.
1: Yeah, the Senate really is a chamber of review. The Constitution gives the Senate the power to approve presidential nominations, including Supreme Court justices. Senators are tasked with approving treaties with foreign countries, and they can hold investigative hearings, including into the President's conduct.
0: All of that's sounding familiar. The party that controls the Senate really can impact on the president's agenda. Let's use the last couple of years of the Trump administration as an example. As we've said, US President Donald Trump is a Republican and the Republicans are the party with a majority in the Senate currently.
1: And that means that President Trump has been able to nominate and get through the Senate his people to top positions in the government. That includes two Supreme Court judges, and there might be a third if his plans to get Conservative Amy Coney Barrett appointed before Election Day are successful. And the most high profile example of how important it is for the President's party to be in control of the Senate was during his impeachment. Under a majority Republican Senate, Trump wasn't as president when senators overwhelmingly voted along party lines against the charges recommended by the House of Reps.
0: To the current numbers in the Senate, as it stands, the majority party are the Republicans with 53 seats. The Democrats have 45 seats and there are two independents. They generally align with the Democrats. Claire, the midterm elections in 2018 saw the Republicans increase their majority by two seats. So is it the case that the party in power of the Senate is also the party that the president's from? Not always.
1: President Obama had to deal with a Republican majority Senate during his second term, and that saw a lot of his legislative agenda, including the Obamacare health reforms, very difficult for him to negotiate.
0: When Trump was elected in 2016, however, it corrected and something quite remarkable happened, actually.
1: Yeah, for the first time since the election laws were set up in 1913, every state with a Senate race elected a senator from the same party as the presidential candidate who won that
0: state. So if Trump won the state, a Republican senator also won the state and vice versa. So what that means is that for the Senate candidates this time around, whether they win or not could be strongly connected to whether Trump or Biden win their state.
1: Yeah. And as for the vibe around this time, commentators are being very cautious when it comes to interpreting the polls because they got it very badly wrong last time. The Democrats need to pick up four Senate seats to get control of the Senate. And the sense is that the momentum in support and donations is going their way in some very tight races. So who knows? But it's certainly one of those things to watch on election day.
0: In our further US election shortcuts, we'll talk a bit more about those states that you do need to keep an eye on. So stand by for that. Let's move on now to the House of Representatives. When voters in the US go to vote, they vote for their pick of president. They vote for their pick of senator, if that's what's scheduled for their state. And they also vote for the person who will represent their congressional district or what we call an electorate, Claire.
1: That's right. And in the US, there are 435 congressional districts across each of the 50 US states. For the District of Columbia and for most of the US territories, they elect non-voting delegates. And the number of representatives per state is proportional to the state's population.
0: We talked about the Senate's powerful role of review in America's system of government. The House of Representatives role is closely tied to how taxation works and how the government's money is spent. A pretty important thing. It
1: sure is and you can't do a lot without funding and the House has a special role in that it's the chamber that introduces those spending bills and it also gives it great sway over the nation's purse strings.
0: As we touched on earlier, at the 2018 midterm election, the Democrats, led by Nancy Pelosi, won control of the House. The Democrats gained a net 41 seats on the 2016 elections, a notable thing to happen.
1: Yeah, it was the Democrats' largest gain of House seats since the post-Watergate 1974 elections when voters gave the Republicans a really big whack for Richard Nixon. In that 2018 election, the Democrats also won the popular vote by a margin of 8.6%, which was the largest margin on record for a party that previously held minority in the House. 53%
0: of those eligible voted in 2018. That was the highest for a midterm election in four decades. And as you say, the Democrats had a strong win. Not a good sign potentially for Donald Trump and the Republicans in 2020.
1: Well, remember, the Senate recorded a good result for the Republicans at that same election. So the theory is some voters wanted to put some checks and balances on power. And that played out with Trump finding it harder to get his agenda up on things like funding for the border wall and stimulus spending to deal with the economic impact of the coronavirus.
0: All right, Claire, it's crystal ball time. How are things looking? I won't repeat the
1: same warning about the polls, but the aggregates of the big polls say that the Democrats are expected to hold on to control of the House of Representatives this election. And that's important because under election law, the House of Reps would decide the election winner if it's close and if there's no presidential candidate with a majority.
0: Whilst we're talking the results, interestingly, Trump has already started to flag he mightn't accept defeat.
1: He hasn't guaranteed that he would accept the results to exit the White House if he's defeated. He's raised concerns about the integrity of the election over things like mail-in voting, and we've got a shortcut to that that's worth a listen.
0: Yeah, it's a good one. A tight election is very unlikely, though, but they've got to be prepared for anything, I guess. Yeah, it's unusual times, that's for sure. As we count down to November 3, that's our shortcut to the House of Reps and the Senate elections. On to our recommendations. Each episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, we recommend some further listening, watching, reading. Easy one for me. In your episode notes is a link to our shortcut on Mail in Voting. Good one to get across.
1: Good one. And mine is a link to the website 538.com. It's spelled out in actual letters, 538.com. Everyone is trying to make sense of the election polls and 538, which is actually the number of electoral college votes, is run by a guy called Nate Silver. He had great success at picking elections in the past and his depth of analysis is really incredible.
0: There we go. That one's for nerds, I think big political nerds will be all over that. (laughs) You and I included. (laughs) Put us down as one of those. And Claire, I'm a little scared of next week's, but I reckon we can do it. We're going to tackle the Electoral College and how that works. Yeah, don't be afraid. We'll make it easy. We'll make it easy. We'll break that down for you. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts. Until next week.